Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Everybody, welcome into the List Podcast. I am Jeff Turn, and for those of you new to the opportunity of hanging out with me on this platform, this is how it goes, man. We have we have List Radio, where in in the world of radio, they tell you never to do this. So I decided I'm going to come up with a podcast and go against the grain and actually do List Radio. Now, if I did it for three hours a day on a local show as I did for a decade. Y'all would probably not like it, but when we do it like this with cool people that come on the show and have lists of their own, it certainly sparks a debate, and we will have a lot of fun. In the inaugural episode of The List, I told you a lot about me, list off the people that were important in my life, uh, the people that helped me get to this moment and that were influential in my radio career, told you my favorite teams, and when I was talking about the, the people that have been influential as far as guests over the years that have come on my show, I mentioned that there are a lot of people that have taken time out of their busy schedules and those that are on much bigger platforms than Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where I was doing radio for a decade, that they decided, you know what, Uh, I'm going to spend 15 minutes with this knucklehead and talk about sports. And one of those individuals is joining us now for the second edition of The List, and that is Kevin Connors of SportsCenter, ESPN, and every other broadcast that involves the studio (laughs) up there in Bristol. Of course, The List podcast brought to you by the Man Salon and Reliabank. Kevin, welcome into this platform with me. Uh, as I said last week, I was I was naming off people and I had a laundry list and I said I wouldn't mention some, but I made sure and got your name in there because for a guy like you who literally every time I turn on my TV and there is a studio, uh, uh, a studio involved in the broadcast, you're usually in it. Uh, thank you for coming on here, man, and thanks for all the time over the years. Jeff, it was a no-brainer for me, man. And you know what? I, I'm fortunate where I get to work with a lot of different people. And um, any time that I get to work with you is a highlight. I mean that. You're you're a great dude, and you're outstanding on the air. So when you asked me to come on, I said, let's do it. It's a no-brainer, and I'm thrilled to be a part of this. Awesome, man. Uh, the List Podcast brings you lists that you never knew you needed, but you'll definitely enjoy. And so uh, I give the guests an opportunity to pick – from a handful of different lists. And we're going to go through a top 10 one first, then we're going to go through a top five. Uh, but I, I knew for Kevin that there was probably a likelihood he'd pick one of these three that I sent him. And it was about his beloved Buffalo Bills. And Kevin is a diehard man, uh, still waiting for that Super Bowl ring. But they're knocking on the door with the group they have right now. And at one point, they knocked on the door four times in a row back in the 90s. And so Kevin and I have come up with our top 10 Buffalo Bills of all time. And I'm very intrigued to see how much overlap we have because, you know, top 10 lists are so subjective anyways, but Kevin, let's do it this way. Let's have you go 10 through seven, and then I'll unveil my 10 through seven and we'll work our way from there. Who do you have at number 10? Well, let me, so I'm going to give you one qualifier before we start. And it was a decision on my part to not include OJ Simpson. I, me too. Me too. I did, and, but but he, he should be on the list from his accolades, but I couldn't put the juice on there for all things considered. Well, listen, here's the thing. I mean, he's number one if we're just saying strictly based on the field. And it's not a decision based on how I feel either way. I never wade into those political or social issues. It's not my lane. I keep it as sports. The reason that I'm not including him is to avoid any blowback on either side of the discussion, okay? (laughs) So I'm just choosing to exclude him to not wade into that area whatsoever. Yes, Um, good choice. So 
given that, and given my completely Switzerland stance on even addressing the subject, I'm going to start, we're going 10 through 7 here. I'm going to start with one of two offensive linemen here. So how do you go about possibly picking offensive linemen? Well, how do you compare an offensive lineman with a defensive end or a quarterback? It's difficult. But at number 10, I'm going Kent Hull. He was the center of those K-Gun offense Bills teams that went to four straight Super Bowls. He was a constant on an offensive line that included guys like Will Wolford and House Ballard. Um, He was the... Look at think of it like this. If Jim Kelly was the front man of those Bills teams, Kent Hull was the drummer, the underappreciated guy who it never works unless he's there. So you've got to include him on the list. He comes in at number 10 for me. Number nine is probably the best interior defensive lineman the Bills have ever had. You could have gone Fred Smurless here. I decided to go with a player who's a little bit more current and that's Kyle Williams. He was there for over a decade. He was sort of symbolic of um, the grit on those teams that just did not have the talent to get to the playoffs. Had he played for a team that was a perennial contender, he probably would be in the conversation for Hall of Famers at some point. He was a rock on the defensive line there and a fan favorite in Buffalo, a give-everything guy who was more than just all heart. He was heart and talent. I got Kyle Williams at number nine. Number eight is one of the best wide receivers in the history of the franchise who, again, played on teams that were irrelevant for a decade, but it's Eric Moulds. He was another tremendous talent who it was quarterback du jour when he was on the team, and he still seemed to contribute a tremendous amount um, Molds again, had he played on a perennial contender or with a guy like Ben Roethlisberger or Eli Manning for his career, would have been a perennial uh, uh, all-pro candidate. So I've got Eric Molds there at number eight. And number seven is a linebacker who was a fixture on the glory days Buffalo Bills teams of the 1990s. He was a guy who they acquired uh, in a trade, I believe, on draft day, if not right after that. And he is probably the best linebacker. I guess if I've got him here, he is the best linebacker, in my opinion, in the history of the franchise. And that's Cornelius Bennett, who was, um, uh, you know, again, a guy who every year was in the Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl or All-Pro conversation. Um, if he played today, he'd be a $25 million a year guy, uh, a, a massive talent out of Alabama, and he was a star for the Bills for a long time. So my 10 through 7, Kent Hull, Kyle Williams, Eric Moulds, and Cornelius Bennett. You know, we match on number 7. I have Cornelius Bennett as my 7th best Bill of all time, and I just remember, like, growing. I was born in 85, Kevin, so if you were to tell me, like, pick – 10 defensive players from the 90s that come to your mind. Cornelius Bennett would be on that on that list of 10 guys that would come to my mind. So of course I put him in here on this list of best Buffalo Bills of all time. Now, honorable mention and I know he's not one of the best Bills of all time and this was pre like, you know, doing, you know, the the Skittle stuff and all the stuff that that made Marshawn Lynch who he is. But but Marshawn Lynch like the the Bills days get forgot about. Uh, but I, I tell you what, Marshawn Lynch in any jersey is something I would have liked to watch on the football field. So honorable mention there. At at number 10, I have Steve Tasker uh, at number 10. And you think about um, as a wide receiver what he did, but but special teams 
Um, dude, dude was like putting his body on the line all the time. I just, I, I loved it. He, he could, he could, he could tackle with the best of them as a wide receiver. And that's why I put Steve Tasker at number 10. Now, number nine is, is not going to make anybody's list, but I'm going to try to sell you on this. Okay. So you're, you're a diehard bills fan and you guys make four super bowls in a row. Uh, I know winning a Super Bowl is more important than going four times in a row. But how big of a gap is there between one winning one Super Bowl and going four times in a row? In your opinion? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. Do you want to be a, a one hit wonder, or do you want to have that sustained greatness that they did? So I I, I still think I'm trading one Super Bowl yes. championship for four in a row. But you're right; it's it, it's you got to think about it a little bit. And so the reason I bring that up is because at number nine. I, I'm putting the the guy that I think motivated the Bills to try and win a Super Bowl so bad because of the heartbreak that happened against Bill Parcells and the Giants. Scott Norwood is my number oh, nine man. Buffalo Bill on this list. I'm going to tell you, he is the motivating factor for them going back and back. Because if you win the first one, how many times do we see the team that wins the Super Bowl maybe not even make the playoffs or win their division? You know, everybody cashes out and they leave and they never run it back. Four years in a row, they went back to back to back to back. And it all started with a missed field goal that I believe went wide right um how do you feel about scott norwood making my top 10 <laughs> this this is why you're great in the world of talk radio and tv because you're you're doing something that's causing kind i look at it like this analytically no is seven better than eight no it's got to be here and you're looking at it like let's stir the pot let's get the conversation going yes. so yes uh so by, by the way I've got a big list of also considered didn't make the cut. Yes. And, I, and, and I want to point out that Steve Tasker is on there. I love you including him there because you want to talk about a position that has been so grossly overlooked by the NFL in terms of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mean, special teams is a massive part of the game. And Steve Tasker was the best of his era. Um in the conversation with Devin Hester among the best of all time. So I love that you had Tasker in there. He, for me, was kind of like 11, but I love Tasker being there. I'm not putting Norwood in my top 10. Didn't um, think you would. <laughs> Didn't think you would. I love you poking the bear and stirring it up. Okay, and then at number eight, after this, it's all based on, for me, you know, accolades and resume. But at number eight, this man basically died on the field and now just this last week is is going to go out and try to continue his football career and purely on inspiration for what he does for humankind to want to you know conquer their fears and understand compassion and it was like the one thing that i think of in sports that has galvanized people more than anything i could think of the last handful of years in an ever divisive world is that everyone wanted DeMar Hamlin to live. They wanted him to be okay. They hugged their loved ones more that night, and they realized that the outcome of a football game just didn't matter as much as maybe they thought they would. So purely based on what he overcame, nothing to do with number of interceptions or tackles or anything else, I'll put DeMar Hamlin at number eight as a Buffalo Bill, and purely based on his story, I think he will impact more people for what he's doing and inspiring people than maybe anyone else on our list for what they did from a football perspective, maybe other than Jim Kelly. It's an unbelievable point you make. And it's so funny that you say that because I, you know, I saw an issue on social media the other day. I'm not going to get into what it was. Um, and it was a social issue 
And I thought, you know, we are we are incapable of even having a conversation. It used to be people didn't want to have a conversation. We've got to get everyone to the table to have a conversation. Now people aren't even interested in having nope. a conversation. They don't even want to see what the other side has to say. They've made up their mind. And if you disagree, you are this, this, or this. Yep. Regardless, by the way, it's regardless where you sit. Yep. And, and I thought about the DeMar Hamlin thing and the way that you just put it, Jeff. I swear I really did. And I said, what other issue besides a, you know, a natural disaster or a, a terrorist attack brings people together? And it was like a, an instance where here was a guy who was doing something that we love and his life was lost on the field. And then he was revived by other human beings who cared about him and the power of prayer, which I believe in, I think played a role. Like that's the one area. So I love that outside the box pick. That's a tremendous pick. So at number 10, as I said, I have uh Steve Tasker at number nine. I got Scott Norwood, Damar Hamlin at eight. We already talked about my seventh pick. It is Cornelius Bennett. This is the list podcast brought to you by ReliBank and the man salon. All right. So let's go six, through three and then we'll unveil one and two who do you got six through three all right so let me get my also considered out of the way sure uh, my, my uh, others receiving votes if you will i've got joe cribs joe ferguson cookie gilchrist i'm bringing cookie, way back cookie cookie yeah you know put tremendous player for the bills in the 60s jerry hughes was a guy who was on the bills for a very long time tremendous defensive player uh pass rusher fred jackson uh, uh, great uh, running back great running back for the bills for a long time jack kemp for pete's sake the guy was in the u.s congress i'm putting jack kemp on my list james lofton aaron Schobel, and the aforementioned fred smurlis make my others receiving votes number six my second offensive lineman on the list he made the hall of fame he was the anchor of the electric company the great bills offensive line the nickname that they gave that group back and he was the lead blocker for the aforementioned oj simpson joe delamalure makes the cut there at number six if he's good enough for the hall of fame he's good enough for my top six number five let's start the controversy here i've got josh allen at number mm, five mm, mm. a lot of people might say that's way too high for a guy who's only been in the league for a little while a lot of people oh. might say he's the most talented player in the history of the franchise potentially he's only at number five for you there's obviously the huge asterisk here he has the potential to move up uh uh as much as anyone in the history of the franchise ever did but for where he is right now I'm basing this on what their contributions were to the franchise. By the way, if we were putting best players in the history of the Bills, like Terrell Owens or correct, LaShawn right, sure. McCoy make the for call. the short going, time that they were there. Yep, yep. Correct. I'm just going by what they've what their body of work is, and Josh Allen's is obviously still very much being written. So he's number five for me. Number four is a Hall of Famer and the best wide receiver in the history of the franchise, and it's Andre Reid. If you know, you know, if you watch those Bills teams, he was as essential to their success as just about anybody. He was a guy you could put in the slot. He could beat you downfield. He threw anything in his direction. Andre Reid is one of the best receivers of his era, so he's number four on my list. All right. Uh, who do you got three? And then number three is arguably my favorite player of that era. Um, he's a guy who... It is criminal 
that Thurman Thomas did not win MVP of Super Bowl 25. You know, we talk about MVP, and this could be a whole separate conversation for you. Here's we're germinating ideas here on the podcast, but like let's we could talk about MVPs one day. MVP to me is it couldn't be more subjective, and it's a crime that if you're the best player, you should be the most valuable. And Thurman Thomas was the best player in Super Bowl 25 by a lot. He ran for over 130 yards in that game, scored a touchdown on the ground. He caught, I, I, I believe, more than 50 receiving yards in that game, or if it wasn't 50, it was close. He was the most impactful player in the game. Otis Anderson won it, and I'm not taking any of the shine away from him. He rushed for 100 yards in that game. But the best player in Super Bowl 25 was Thurman Thomas. He's a guy who should have won MVP of that game, rightly belongs in the Hall of Fame, one of the best dual-purpose running backs in the history of the NFL. Thurman's number three for me. All right, um, we're, we're going to have some matching up here, man, going forward. And, and a lot of times that'll happen with the best. But for me at number six, so I I think when, when I think of, um, you know, what the impact is on a team and was, was Andre Reed ever the best wide receiver in the league in one year, though? Because Jerry he, Rice was around. You know, so that's a very good question. That's to me like saying um, was – was Wade Boggs ever the best player? No, but he was probably right. the second or third. Like, like Andre Reed. Yes, when you, it's so you know, look, is Carmelo Anthony the best player of his era? No, he played with LeBron James. But Carmelo Anthony was an unbelievable player. Andre Reed, how can you be when you've got the maybe the greatest player ever as your contemporary? So he wasn't, but he was two or three for a long time. Yep. And so I have Andre Reed at four like you do. But the reason I asked that question is because the quarterback of the Bills right now calls this guy the best wide receiver in the league. A lot of other people would argue as well. And I think what he does and how electrifying he is and the stats that he's putting up and that he'll continue to put up. I'm putting Stefan Diggs at number six mm. on my list of okay. best Buffalo Bills. Now you talk about being too high for some traditional Buffalo Bills fans. They're gonna be like, dude, you may be high putting Diggs above some of these <laughs> others that are in the Hall of Fame. But I got Diggs at number six. And I, I, I always make this joke, Kevin, nothing really happened before 1985 because that's when I was born. So a lot of people give me a hard time that I don't go old school a lot of times. But I'll put Diggs at number six. At number five, I have Josh Allen as well. Um, I think you're right. He has the opportunity to climb the highest amongst anybody. And, and I think, you know, he could potentially be number one on this list. If he delivers a Super Bowl to that team with all the stats that he's going to have along with it at four, I mentioned, I have Andre Reed. I got to hang out with Andre Reed once, uh, in New York city for the Super Bowl week. We were staying at a hotel and next to the hotel was a, you know, the starter jackets that have the teams on them and stuff. They did a pop-up starter jacket store for Super Bowl week. And they were celebrating it with some NFL guys. Uh, Andre Reed was one, and it was with rappers like Jada Kiss and some other dudes. So, like, I'm a big hip hop guy for the night. So, I'm hanging out with a guy I watched dominate the league at wide receiver, guy that I thought was a great rapper in Jada Kiss. I'm like mid mid to late 20s, no kids yet, covering a Super Bowl, great party, great night. And, and starter jackets were something that I wore as a kid. Everyone tried to have those Hornet ones, those Charlotte Hornet ones. Number three, I have Thurman Thomas as well. And you talk about sort of going up against, you know, maybe the greatest Emmett Smith being in your same category at the same time. You maybe got overshadowed based on that and because the Cowboys were winning Super Bowls. But I got Thurman Thomas at number three. If, if, you, if you haven't looked at Thurman Thomas's stats and you're a younger dude and you just have heard of him and you know he's good, 
go look him up, man. And look at like like Kevin said, the numbers from that Super Bowl, uh, amazing and such a big part of that three headed monster that was Jim Kelly, Andre Reed, and Thurman Thomas. All right, two and one. I'm interested to see how you slice this one out. Who do you got it to? Who do you got it one? Yeah, I'm sort of I'm sort of taking the easy way out here because of the importance of the position. But really, Me too. yeah, number two could be one uh, could be one a Bruce Smith is the best defensive uh, pass rusher that I've ever seen. Um, I, I didn't get to see Deacon Jones. Um, Lawrence Taylor, though great, played a different position. Uh, Bruce Smith was a guy who I've talked to a lot of players who played in that era. I've had the chance to work with several of them. He was a guy who you game plan for, and there are very few of those in the in the NFL. Uh, Bruce Smith was, um, you know, you could make a very good case that he was the most valuable player of that era. Uh, certainly on the defensive side of the football, I th- I don't I'd love to have a conversation with someone and hear who they had ahead of him of uh, in that era. So Bruce Smith, let's for the purposes of this, we're saying number two. He's 1A to me to number one, Jim Kelly, who, you know, this is a pick for me as much statistically as it is for what he meant to the franchise. You have to put yourself in the context of what it was like to be a Buffalo Bills fan in the 1970s and early 80s. Yes, they made the playoffs in 81, um, but this was a franchise that for the years before Jim Kelly arrived was the worst in the NFL. And they were a laughing stock. And even when they drafted Jim Kelly, he went to the USFL in in part because he didn't want to be in Buffalo. So when he finally makes the decision to come to the Bills and be the quarterback, there was a sign at the time in the stadium, and it was a three-word sign. And it was, Kelly is God. That's how much he meant to the organization when he arrived. And of course, four straight Super Bowls and changing in a lot of ways, the way offense was run in the NFL. Um, The physical tools were there. Was he the best quarterback of his era? Again, no, he wasn't. Bruce Smith was the best defensive end of his era. Kelly was not the best quarterback of his era, but he's the most meaningful player in the history of the franchise. So that's why I go Kelly number one. All right, real quick, I'll give you mine. The same thing, Bruce Smith and Jim Kelly, two and one. And I agree with everything you said, man. Best defensive end of that era, Bruce Smith. Kelly, you know, again, you're talking about some all-time greats that we're talking about in the night. Dan Marino, you're going up against Montana. You're going up against, uh, you know, Steve Young, all these Hall of Famers. Elway, of course, you know. But Jim Kelly was could hold his own on any Sunday with any of those guys that you needed to and made the plays. And then we talked about the DeMar Hamlin situation, Kelly Strong, everything that's come from that, the way that that – he showed such compassion with his son, the way that he was a parent, like all of that signed me up uh, as a fan of Jim Kelly. So here's my 10 through one real quick. I'll go one through 10. Jim Kelly at one, Bruce Smith at two, best Buffalo Bills of all time. Thurman Thomas at three, Andre Reed at four, Josh Allen at five, Stefan Diggs at six, uh, Cornelius Bennett at seven, DeMar Hamlin at eight, Scott, no- Scott Norwood at nine, and Steve Tasker at 10. And I'd be remiss if I didn't say, man, if, if I could have added a coach, I would have put Marv Levy oh. in my top five, baby, because of, of this list of, of the best Bills of all time, he would have been right up there with Andre Reid, Thurman Thomas, Bruce Smith, Jim Kelly, because without Marv Levy, or without, uh, you know, having that dude there, uh, they would not have been, the, they would not have been as great as they were. 
he taught us the phrase "you over officious jerk." That's the way he, <laughs> when he was mic'd up. He called an official an over officious jerk. It was a great. I love it, man. Man, Marvel Lady's the best. Give us your one through ten, quick. One through ten: Jim Kelly, Bruce Smith, Thurman Thomas, Andre Reed, Josh Allen at five, Joe Delamalor at six, Cornelius Bennett, Eric Moulds, Kyle Williams, Kent Hull, with Steve Tasker at ten a. All right, man. So we're going to get to a top five list now. And uh, this is going to be fun because you are a sports center anchor. So you actually work with a lot of these people and have worked with a lot of these people. And I'm sure watch some of these names that we will say before you got the opportunity to be there in Bristol as well. Again, this is the list podcast. That is Kevin Connors of ESPN and sports center brought to you by the man salon uh, right now, thousand dollar sign on bonus. If you want to work for the man salon and they got franchise opportunities, check them out throughout the Midwest. All right. Um, so these, now let me ask you this. Did you do on this top five all time or favorite five? How did you, how did you do this list? I did. I did the five that I would most like to watch okay great um, me too me too that's what i did too so so i'm gonna i'm gonna tell again i'm not gonna put kevin connor's on this list but i'm telling you man <laughs> the only reason i'm not is because he's on the show today everybody think i you know i'm just blowing smoke up his rear end listen i've said this to him before and i've said it many times to other people there are certain voices in this world that when i hear them it takes me to my tv screen when I hear Kevin's voice and we're doing this podcast now, it takes me to Kevin sitting there, the nice suit, uh, the hair looking great, uh, and doing baseball tonight, sports center, college basketball, damn near everything else, man. So uh, I'm not putting Kevin on this list because I don't want to pe people to think that that's why I brought him on the show. But Kevin, you are one of my favorites to watch on Sports Center and anything else. All right, so here we go. Um, I I have these in order. Uh, and I know some of these are your colleagues, so maybe they, you, you can have an order or not, but at number five for me is Dan Patrick and yeah. some would, some would have him number one and I would not argue with that at all. But at number five, I got Dan Patrick and I just, I, I always think of it, you know, the, the, the great sports centers where whenever he was paired up with whoever they had a great time. And I remember watching the reruns of sports center every morning when they used to do it that way. I, I have to have Dan Patrick at number five at number four for me is a newer face to to sports center uh hasn't been on for 15 years or whatever but when l duncan is on sports center i find myself laughing i love her smile i love her enthusiasm and i love her references to hip-hop uh i think l duncan is is a, a a great gem for espn when it comes to sports center so i have l duncan at number four dan patrick then l duncan who do you got at five and four so um i'm a huge fan of l's and uh um so I'm going to start here with a guy who to me is um, someone who, if I could even come close to, um, I would consider it a successful career. Number five for me is Steve Levy. I have worked with him. I think his work is um, as good as it gets. I think he is as good at anything that he does in the industry. He's someone who I admire a great deal. D doesn't have a ton of catchphrases. Because he doesn't need them. You want the news? <laughs> I'm, I'm tuning in to see the news and watch the highlights, and he gives it to me as well as anyone ever has. So I've got Steve Levy at number five. Number four, when I was in college, this is all pre-cell phones and internet and everything else, my buddies and I would call each other on the landline and say, did you hear what Craig Kilborn just said? <laughs> Kilborn to me was at the, mo the second most unique individual to ever sit in that chair 
I don't know if he knew sports well. I don't know if he loved many sports. Um, I do know he loved some, but he was the most unique, funny, didn't care, and it, it in a good way, and it showed. So Kilborn to me, is number four. All right, at number three for me, and I actually – uh, you know how Radio Row works, Kevin, where they're just running through millions of people to have on. But when you're in local radio, you just love the fact that you get to talk to all these people that you don't typically get to talk to. And every single year, ESPN, my guy Jeff Martindale, would show up with a list of people. And there'd be like, you know, five, six people that we'd always get. And then there'd be a list of like a couple that you knew, man, you had to get lucky. You know, the years you'd get Stephen A. Smith or the years you'd get Colin Cowherd to come on. You know, uh, you know, Lebetard wouldn't come up there, but Stu Gotts, whatever it was. Kenny Maine was one of those names <laughs> that I just, I, for years, I begged Martin to, man, please, can you get me Kenny Maine? He's like, dude, he only's doing the top few markets. We got to get him in and out. And finally, one year, I believe it was Atlanta. Uh, Kenny Maine comes through, and before Kenny Maine comes on the show, Pac-Man Jones is on the show with me. So I have Pac-Man Jones, and I decide I have this Super Bowl helmet, a little mini one. I decide I'm going to have the most unique Super Bowl helmet of all these people here, and I'm and usually I wouldn't ask for autographs, but I had Pac-Man Jones sign one side of the helmet, and Kenny Maine signed the other side of the helmet, and it's sitting here in my office. I have a Super Bowl helmet with Pac-Man and Kenny Maine, and I don't know that you can find a more unique and colorful group of individuals to sign a helmet than Kenny Maine and Pac-Man Jones. So that story, then it precipitates Kenny Maine coming on, and he was he was uh, doing the Wounded Warriors. He was coaching the Wounded Warriors game. Uh, so we had him draw up plays on our banner, and he's using a Sharpie uh, on our banner. And we I still have the banner at my house, too, of Kenny Maine's plays that he was going to run. And I, I just I felt in the moment it was one of the coolest interviews I'd ever done. And I just had a blast. And again, you talk about, uh, you know, dry sense of humor. Like if you, if you were someone that didn't like dry sense of humor, Kenny Maine wasn't your guy, but if you did, man, he was your guy. And that's why I got Kenny Maine because he made it funny to watch sports. And I got him at number three. Kenny is one of the, I've gotten to do shows with Kenny. He's one of the most, you never know what he's going to say. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, I, very, very much cut from the same cloth as Kilborn. Where yes, I don't yeah. know if he ever. You know, There's certain sports that he follows, but he's got something funny and irreverent to say, and he's a great guy. Really, really great guy. Does a lot. By the way, backup quarterback to Randall Cunningham at UNLV. Did you know that? I did not know that. I knew he could chuck the rock. I did not know that, man. That's why he was so good at drawing up those plays. He's he he's a great. Still is a you know a, a, someone who though he's not with us anymore. Um, anytime we talk about him, I have got a very, very, uh, uh, great affinity for him. My number three is, is a guy who is one of the most transformational broadcasters in the history of sports broadcasting. And whether you liked his style or not, that's indisputable. Stuart Scott changed the game. And again, you could be a huge fan of his, or you could say it's not my cup of tea, but if you didn't feel that Stuart Scott uh, changed how sports broadcasting is done, um, then you're not being honest with it. He was someone who is synonymous with ESPN. When you do the Mount Rushmore of ESPN, Stewart is right there on it. One of the four most important people in the history of the company. I've got Stewart at number three on my list. You ain't got to go home, but you got to get the heck up out of here. He treats him like a dog. Just call him Butter because he's on a roll as cool as the other side of the pillow. In fact, I actually tweeted out last week a picture of my son 
uh, Maurer, who is five years old and he had sunglasses on. And all I tweeted was as cool as the other side of the pillow. And people were like, awesome. I get that reference. Stuart Scott is number two on my list. Um, I just, I agree with you. Everything you just said about the transformational part of it uh, was just amazing. We lost him way too soon. Uh, but his legacy certainly lives on in that chair and through sports. I have him at number two. Who do you got at two? And give me number one as well. All right. So here's number two. There's going to be some controversy here. You're not going to like my answer. It's like popular positions of all. And by the way, one day I get invited back. We'll be the greatest front men in the history of rock. But whenever I have this conversation, consequential people in the hit popular music, I put John Lennon and Paul McCartney as one uh, group because to me, they're so synonymous together. They they get one spot. I'm not giving them two spots because McCartney and Lennon are such a, a, a partnership. Dan and Keith to me are number two. Dan Patrick and yeah. Keith Olbermann, yep. um, you know, the best duo in the history of sports center. There is not even a discussion about that. Um, you know, just they are sports center, Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann. So they are my number two. And who's number one for you? Number one is to me, there's no debating this. He's the most important per- person in the history of ESPN company. He is as real an individual, if you were ever to meet him, as you would hope he would be. He's the best. He's maybe the most unique in the history of sports broadcasting to ever do it. Chris Berman is number one, and I will fight anyone who tells me that he's number one because he's the most consequential person in the history of the company. So I would, when I think of Berman, I don't think Sports Center. When I think Berman, I think NFL prime time. And so for me, Berman, if you would have just gone, if you, but, but man, when you said all of those things, that's Scott Van Pelt to me, man, like SVP. And maybe it's my, I think, you know, the late night part of it. And you know, when I, when I ask people, and I've done this before on my local show, when I say ESPN, what do you think of? And the two names that always come up first would be SVP and Stephen A. Smith in the moment. Now, if I said think holistically over ESPN's time, Chris Berman's name would come up, I would guess, before those two. Man, I got Scott Van Pelt at number one. And if you were to tell me just anchors of shows, I'd probably put Berman up there in the top two. But when I think of Sports Center, I think of SVP. I think of the the the, the oversized suit jackets he had to wear back in the day. I thought I think of him having a little bit of hair. That's how long he's been around. But I have SVP at number one. Uh, man, you, I don't want you to fight me because you'd win. Uh, but uh, I, <laughs> I I can't. I I would not put Berman number one on my list. But I I can see. So so when when sport and you can re- refresh my mind when when Sports Center first started was Berman the main dude. Oh yeah, he was. He wasn't yeah. the first yeah. one. The first first Sports Center anchor is George Grand, right? I believe yep. I'm right on that. But Berman was, you know, he wasn't there on day one, but he was there on day two, and um, okay, he was a Sports Center anchor until the mid '80s, and then of course um, for a while there, you know, for years that I had been company, he would all come back and do a Sports Center every now and again. It's just sort of a special one-off. But boy, in the '80s, he was as big as anybody there. He was he was kind of before Dan and Keith, but you know, Chris yep. Berman and Tom Meese, or Chris Berman and Bob Lee, who 
Bob Lee. Bob Lee could be on this list and, you know, in the top three himself. So, hey, you can't listen. Here's the best part of this list. There are, you know, you have L. Duncan on there, and some people might not even consider L. Not that she's not great, but because there are all the other right. people that have been before. I think L is, is one of the, you know, best personalities that we've ever had. But, um, and Van Pelt, I mean, what can you say about Scott? He's, he's phenomenal. But for me, Chris Berman and the catchphrases and the nicknames, that is quintessential ESPN in the 80s. That's why I have him at number one. Yeah, man, because when you say Bob Lee, I think outside the lines, and it's because in the 80s, I was probably still in diapers. And so, uh, you know, the 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 guys that I watched as I got older, and you you sort of, you know, absorb it a little bit differently as you get older. So I got SVP up there again. So I got SVP number one, Stuart Scott two, Kenny Main three, L Duncan four, and Kevin Connors uh, makes my, my very close list, but I couldn't do it because he's on the show with us. Um, obviously, I put Dan Patrick at number five. Go over your top five real quick for us. Chris Berman, Dan and Keith coming in at number two, Stuart Scott at three, Craig Kilborn four, Steve Levy at number five. Kevin Connors, ESPN. You can check him out on all the platforms. As I said, if there's a studio, he's probably in it. I hope you had as much fun as I did with these lists, Kevin. Uh, I appreciate the time today, and we'll do it sooner rather than later. Thanks, my friend. You say the word, Jeff. I always uh, appreciate the invite, and uh, good luck with the podcast, man. It's a great idea. Awesome, man. Again, another page has turned here on the List Podcast brought to you by the Man Salon and Rely Bank. Until next time, y'all, be well.